Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Come on, give a little clap. We're glad to be here. Welcome. So glad you're with us today. Um, listen, we're, we're doing a two-week series starting today, and uh, XES is the name of this series. It's because culture has mixed up sex. Mm. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be good. We're going in today. Listen, um, listen every area of society has got this all messed up and we want to put it back together today. Uh, I'm not a sexpert. All right, just, just stay with me. But I feel very confident that I know what the Word of God says about sex and sexuality and biblical relationships. Amen, church? Um, listen, um, today is not anti-Pride Month at church day. Listen, I, listen, I don't want to present anything in any way that makes you feel like you have to unfriend someone on social media or end a friendship with someone that's in your family or a close friend and, uh, and you know, someone that identifies LGBTQ. Listen, I'm, I'm not here to to create that type of a message and an atmosphere today. As a matter of fact, I will stay friends with people that don't have the same perspective as I do. I will pursue it. I'll, I'll fiercely fight for friendships and uh, I, I love people. I, I believe it's possible to be friends and hold on to a biblical worldview at the same time. And so that's where we're gonna be with it today. When, when you hear today's message though, I, I don't want you to... I don't want you to be thinking about somebody else today. Uh, it would be easy to hear this and think, well, them. And, and that's not what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Listen, it's always dangerous when you read the Bible hoping to find some way to fix someone else when God has a word for you. Can I get a better name in? Amen. Amen. So as we jump into this, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give me the anointing to preach your word with extravagant love and bold truth. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. So why have a sex talk in church? Like, why do we have a sex talk on church? Well, first of all, you need to know that the Bible is not silent on the topic of sex. It's just, it's not silent on that topic. Uh, everyone else is talking about it. Uh, every place you look in culture, schools, social media, everybody else talks about it. You can't watch TV without it being there. Sex and sexuality is everywhere. I believe the church must be relevant and must preach the Bible on all topics so that the body of Christ knows how to live out a biblical worldview. Amen? Listen, without the prophetic voice of pastors in culture, we leave a void and therefore when culture 
presents an idea and there's not a prophetic voice from the church, then the world gets the loudest point of view. And we need the, the families, we need the, the men, we need the women, we need your children to understand what the Bible says so they know how to live out Bible in today's world. Amen? We also believe that the reason we need to talk about sex in church is, is I want to help parents understand God's plan for sex for their children. And next week, I have help for parents. So parents, you want to come back and, and hear that. It'll be great. And the reality is that every sector of society has messed up in the area of sex. There's not a group anywhere that has done this just right. Sex is, is, is just messed up, sexuality everywhere. Listen, let me just run down some, some places where it's messed up. Presidents have been shamed for sexual activities. Business leaders have been fired over inappropriate actions. Christian leaders and pastors have lost their ministries and hurt congregations out of inappropriate sex. Marriages have been torn apart. Men have sexually abused women. Women have found themselves, some women, trapped in prostitution. Children have been abused. Listen, all of this is under the category of mixed up sex. Pornography has darkened the soul of men. Over half, I read that almost two-thirds of all teenagers have had sex before graduating high school. Abortion is a part of a mixed-up socialized culture. June is Pride Month, celebrating the advancement of LGBTQ+. I've seen videos of despicable parades down city streets displaying crude sex acts on the streets in front of children. Some public school libraries have books with graphic language about sex in elementary schools. There have been in some parts of the country public libraries with drag queens having shows for children. There are stores that are displaying transition clothing for minors that are on main displays. I've chosen to avoid such stores. I saw at the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball stadium before a game, they had a skit in front of all children of all ages where two barely dressed gay men sexually pole danced on a wooden cross mocking Jesus. So church from presidents to pastors to pole dancing, sex is mixed up and out of control. Sex is a God-given gift that is being misused in a God-forbidden way. And God's calling us as a church body today to 
to learn what God says and put sex back in order from X-E-S to S-E-X, God's way. Amen, church? So my title today is God's Perspective on Sex. And if you're taking notes, you can just put in sexuality because it all plays in there together. And so when you think about how to understand God's perspective on anything, one of the best ways to do that is to go to God's original intent over how he wants something done and designed. And, and so for us to hear what God's original intent, God's perspective is on sex, then we have to go to the book of Genesis and learn from there. Now, if you're new to church and new to the Bible, you should know that Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and in chapter one is the first chapter of the Bible. And in it, we find where God created life on earth in six days. And the Bible says that he created day and night, and he created the atmosphere between the heavens and the earth, and he made the ocean, and, 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 he, and then he made all the the land plants that produce vegetation on earth and he made the sun and the moon and then he filled the ocean with fish and the skies with birds and then the Bible says that he created animals and then finally in his shining moment, God created man. So in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, it says that in Genesis chapter 127, it says, so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Who did he bless? The males and the female, right? And he said to them, he said, be fruitful. Now, church, are you adults enough to know what, what the Bible's trying to say there? Everybody good? Amen? All the men say amen. Be fruitful and increase in number, it says. Now, listen. I want you to notice the uniqueness of humanity, that humanity separate and, and distinct and unlike anything else that God created. Listen, I want you to know that God did not make you from an animal. He did not. He, you didn't evolve from an ape. The Bible teaches us that God created you. He fashioned you with his own hands. He breathed life into the nostrils of man. God created and the reason I want to just throw that in there is I know that in this season there are students that are high, high school graduating seniors who will be going off to college soon and you're going to run into professors who are going to attempt to twist your mind from biblical truth and put a wedge between you and your beliefs. And they're going to tell you in your classrooms that, that millions of years ago there was this cosmic collision and matter began and it started to develop then they're going to want to teach you about how you came about and they're going to tell you something like this and, and I'll paraphrase it down to some simple ideas but they're going to tell you that at some point there was this little little blob of matter that was floating in the ocean and then and then at some point that began to grow from a blob into a little bitty fish that had some gills that adapted it to the water and then 
then somehow one day the, the wind swept that little fish up on the dry land and, and the sand rubbed off its gills and it had to learn to breathe. So it developed lungs and four little legs to get around on the, on the land. And then they're going to tell you that they saw that all the food was in a tree. And so they had to learn to stand up like this to be able to reach the food in the tree. And then they're going to tell you that at some point that animal realized that there was even more fruit up in the tree. So they grew a tail and became a monkey and climbed up the tree and ate. And so at some point while they were in the tree, they began to lose their tail and the fur and they turned into a human being. Now you think I'm kidding. If evolution. What they are trying to convince the students that you started out as a little goo and then you went through the zoo before you became you. <laughs> students, listen. Listen, when you're confronted, students, you don't have to know how God did it all. You don't have to know how long it took him to do it all. You don't have to understand everything, but you need to know this, that you need to know that God made you, that you were not a mistake, and that you did not come from an animal. Listen, you didn't even come from your mama. You came from God who used your mama to bring you to earth. You are God's. That's, your, that's who you are in life today. As a matter of fact, when we think about the uniqueness of humanity, the Bible says that only mankind bears the image of God. Like that wasn't placed upon an animal or a plant. Only humans, mankind, was created in God's image and bared that image. And, and why does that, what, what is the, the, point of that what does it mean to have the image of God and and I want to dump jump into this topic of the image of God because it lays the foundation for everywhere we're going to go but but here's what it means to have the image of God if you check on the screen this listen humankind was created to be a graphic image of the creator a formal visible and under, understandable representation of who God is and what he is really like Listen, God's original intent for humanity was that we would perfectly be his representatives on earth. And that's what he had originally designed. And so now today, as we live it out, let me put it another way about what it means to have the image of God upon your life. What that means to you is that you may be the only way people see God today. When people that don't know God and they're in some way searching for God and you may be the only person that can give them some visible representation of who God is and what his character is like and, and how much he loves them. When people see you, they need to see God in you. Amen, church? So humanity was originally created to represent God on earth but sin has distorted that view sin as you know Adam and Eve in the garden sinned and 
And that began to distort the, the pure image of God upon humanity. And now that sin has entered into the world, sin has broken that pure representation of God's will and God's purpose and God's plan for humanity. And so now it's broken. And, and so God had a plan. Sin has now disfigured that plan, that perfect image of God. And as a result, people are living outside of God's blessings and ultimately destined to live in eternity separated from God. But the good news for all of us is that out of God's great love, we know this, that he sent his son, Jesus, to rescue us from our sin and begin a restoration process or project in our life to restore back the, the purity of God's image upon us. See, when you look at me, at this point, you don't see the perfect image of God because I'm under a restoration process. I'm being restored. I, like I'm, he's hammering away in my life, amen? Now some of us have been under the restoration project for longer than others, and, but we're all in this process of becoming and, and learning to re-represent God to earth. All of us are in process, and, and I will say to you that the hope for all humanity is always Jesus Christ. Whatever topic that I talk about, I can always land it with people need the Lord. Because he is the one that renovates our life and puts things back in order. He is the one that can teach someone how to, how to turn XES back into SEX, God's way, back into God's image, amen? But interestingly, I think this is so, so interesting that sin did not destroy or remove the image of God from someone. It has distorted it, it has disfigured it and, and mixed it up, no doubt. But it didn't remove God's image. I mean, God created mankind in his image and, and that was it. That's how he did it. And so sin has definitely distorted the view of that in people's lives. But in other words, the reason I say that it's important is that God has not given up on people. Listen, I don't know and care, I mean, I do care, but I don't know how deeply the, the, the sin and the, the way that life has turned out for people, and, but I want you to know that God never gives up on people. He still has a plan and a purpose for every living human being. The Bible says in James 3, 9, he says, it says this, sometimes it, and it is referring to our words, but sometimes our words, they praise God, our Lord and Father, and sometimes our words, they curse those who have been made in the image of God. And see, I want you to notice that this is New Testament. This has traveled through many, many generations of people who have sinned, and the Bible still refers to mankind as made in the image of God. And that leaves us with some significant implications about humanity today. Because whether someone is a Christian or not, they still bear the image of God in their life. And I want to say it like this, because... That has serious implications. And, and first, look at this. Every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin, illness, weakness, age, or any other disability, still has the status of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. You see, this has significant 
implications for our conduct towards other people. Because now we don't see them based on their sin, but we see people based on the image of who God created them to be. We see them in the potential of God. As Christians, we bear this responsibility of being the representative of God. And so we should treat every human being as an image bearer of God, regardless of how much their sin has marred God's image in their life. Listen, I want you to know that God loves people. Therefore, we should love people. And in my life, speaking for me, I want to fiercely love people. I want to be more known for how much I have loved and respected people than how much I disagreed with people. I'll put it like this. Mean people will never change the world for God. You mean say it again? Mean people will never change the world for God. But bold Christians will change the world. And we hold the standard, the word of God. We protect our children. And we can do all of this with firmness, boldness, and kindness at the same time. Listen, we know that Jesus spent time with people who didn't live a righteous life. But he didn't do it to affirm their unrighteousness, but to save them. And if you want to have an impact in culture, if you want to have an impact in someone's life, then your goal is to reach them for Christ, and you won't do that being mean. Because God loves them, we love them. They're image bearers. But listen to this, this is so significant. When we think about every person is an image bearer, what this means is that people of every race deserve equal dignity and rights. Can I get an amen? Because every person bears the image of God. So we're all for that. This also means that elderly people deserve our honor. Amen? Amen? This means that children born and children still in the womb deserve full protection as human beings who are made in the image of God. Amen? You see, say this as delicately as possible, but you cannot be all about bringing racial unity and racial um, uh, just, you know, equality and all that and be for abortion at the same time. Like that's incongruent. Because you either can agree that every person is made in the image of God and deserves respect and deserves dignity. And if you agree with that, then you have to agree with the rest. That's a good word. Amen. All right. Well, listen, some of y'all were here and you thought, well, I thought we were going to talk about sex. <laughs> right, we're going to get there, I promise. Hang with me, all right? Hang with me. So, but the idea, though, of, of humanity being created by God and, and that we are made by God and that we, we bear the, the image of God, all humanity bears the image of God, this is the foundation for where I want to go today, all right? So next, when we think about that whole idea, here's the thought. 
image bearers of God. As image bearers of God, we know our identity. So with that, let me talk about sexual identity for just a moment. You are not what you feel or what someone else has told you about you. You are who God made you to be. Amen? That's the biblical perspective on it. He made you, the Bible says, either a male or a female, and you know that based on your creative biological birth. So your sexual identity is either male or female, period. There are no other check boxes. Sadly, though, some people have denied who they are and denied how God created them. And so some would say something like, well, I'm a, a girl in a boy's body. And as I think about this whole concept that, that God's creation, that he has created someone, all of us, created and he has placed his image on, on us. And then when someone denies that and says, I know I was born biologically this, but I deny that to be this. I was just pondering the, the, the way that God might think about that. And I was, just, I was just wondering that how much does that grieve God when people deny their identity reject how God made them and repudiate the image of God that he placed upon them and demand that they are not whom God made them to be. You see, that's a rejection of God. You see, this is, that's what this is all about. It's, it's like people are going, I, I don't want to live within the identity and the, and the way God created me. I want to do my own thing, independent and and reject God. It's a rejection of God. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. And so I was thinking about that, and I just say to all of us, when you think about that's a rejection of God, when people deny their, their identity, that we, you, I, should be cautious with things like pronouns. Because pronouns is the culture's way of affirming people's rejection of who God made them to be. You see, we, we want to be polite, that's fine, but we can't affirm. We can be friends without affirming. And so be careful when you are trying to navigate the, the slippery slopes of, of culture and not slide into an affirmation, yet still stay friends. And I think the same thing is in with the, the whole Pride Month. That, that to, we don't want to affirm something. You don't have to be mean about it. Listen, when you go into the, to a, a, a store and the cashier has you know, a little Pride something on, and well, you don't have to rail on them and give them three verses. And, and, no, no, you can, you can be loving and kind. You can be all those things. Because we're a representative of God first. 
So you can be kind. Listen, you can choose to not shop there. But, but we don't have to be mean. But also, you don't have to wear the pride flag yourself and be affirming. Everybody with me? Four or five of you okay? Everybody okay? All right. Awesome. So that's the thought here. People are rejecting the identity of God. I wonder how much sorrow God feels when people undergo transition surgeries to change their God-given identity. What must he think in that moment in heaven? I don't know. I can't think for God, but I can imagine that seems like a greater rejection. And I wonder how much God restrains his anger when adults and schools and government and medical professionals push transition clothing and treatments upon children. I just want to remind you, your sexuality is based on who God made you to be. Any other way of expressing your sexuality different from who God made you to be is rejecting God's image and how he created you. Can you see that in light of image of God on someone? And can you understand why the, the Bible says that God can't bless that? Like, does that give you a foundation, an understanding to see that it's a rejection of God? Listen, I don't want to be Mr. Rules and go, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. That's not my heart. I have no desire for that. Listen, matter of fact, I put down my sheriff's badge years ago. Listen, I'm not called to go around and police everybody's problems and all that. Listen, buddy, you, you figure it out with God. I'll, I'll preach the word and it'll confront you and God will do the work. God will do the work. Listen, it's so sad about these things it's because I'm not mad at people. It makes me sad because I think they're missing out on the beautiful plan and the purpose that God has for them and eternity. Amen. Well, let me move us to the last part, the part that some of you came to church for. <laughs> the sex talk. I had a, I'd sent out an email yesterday about the topic just to let parents know the the topic so if they had younger children they may choose to put them in kids ministry if they occasionally bring them in just want to give them a heads up and someone a friend of mine sent me a, a message back on email and he goes he goes I see what you're doing you're getting ready to grow the church <laughs> everybody wants to know about sex I'm like all right so the scripture says God created us in his image male and female right so I say that because both male and female reflect in part God's image. All right, so let me explain it like this. Males and females have equal value, but different characteristics, right? So let's talk about some of those characteristics for a second. So equal value, men and women, different characteristics. Physically, males have male parts, That's not that hard, is it? Can you believe we're preaching about this? Females have female parts. Men have XY chromosome, 
Women have XX chromosome, which means there are distinct biological differences between men and women. There just are, right? All right, let's keep going. Men produce sperm and women produce the eggs, which means that women can get pregnant and men cannot. Amen. Amen. Here's another distinction. Men die younger than women. Did you know that on the average? Men die younger than women. But mainly that's because men do more stupid stuff than women. That's, that's <laughs> and we're okay with that. We're okay with that. Men reflect the masculine characteristics of God better than women. Women reflect the feminine characteristics of God better than men. So therefore, males and females are complements to one another in bearing the image of God. Because if men reflect and do a better job at reflecting the masculine side of God, and if ladies do a better job at reflecting the female characteristics of God, then together we give a more complete image of what it looks like in the kingdom of God and how he wants his nature represented on earth. And so if you're single and unmarried here today, I do want to let you know that you are not incomplete if you're not married. You lack nothing and have the same value as any married person. You are simply reflecting the image of God from your gender. Amen? But listen, church. A marriage between a male and a female has the distinction and honor of reflecting both natures of God and completing his image in the earth today. So God instituted marriage between a male and a female, yes, for reproduction, but also for that representation of the full likeness of God on earth. Significant. Because God honors marriage. God instituted marriage between a male and female. Why? Because he wants his image to be reflected and represented in earth today. So back to the book of Genesis again. It says, Genesis 1, 27, just to remind us of the scripture, God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them. God blessed them, male and female. He blessed them. And then he said, be fruitful, have relations, and increase in number. Listen, God's blessings rest upon the marriage of a male and female. That's what the Bible says. Only in a marriage of a male and female can there be that complete representation of God expressed. And that's why in Genesis 2.24, it says it like this. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united with his wife and they become one flesh. In other words, they become one representing God. So the Bible teaches us that males and females are to be married and be fruitful. And any sexual activity outside of a marriage between a husband and wife is XES. And even according to scriptures, a sin. So here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 13. It says marriage, so we're talking about a husband and wife, should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, this is 
marriage and sex be kept pure for God will judge an adulterer in all sexual immorality. And so the, the idea here that I want you to get is that God created a boundary to protect humanity. God creates boundaries not to keep us from something exciting, but to protect you from things that will harm you. And so on the screen, I want you to look at this, this, this graph. And so this is a graph. Inside the boundary, the fence, inside the circle is husband and wife. And that is God's boundary. And inside that boundary are God's full blessings. Anything outside of that are outside of God's blessings. And so inside the circle, though, inside the, the boundary of that circle, we know that God blesses sex between a husband and wife. It's blessed. Inside the boundaries of the circle of a husband and wife, sex is fun and enjoyable and pleasurable without guilt or shame tied to it. Sex within that boundaries of a husband and wife creates deep bonds and it produces greater intimacy and oneness, which is why it's recommended that sex should be practiced regularly and often in a marriage couple. Amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, we know that sex produces wonderful babies. Amen. Amen. So that's all inside the circle, but outside the circle, the outside the boundary. So if God created a boundary for our protection, then outside of those boundaries are problems. God does not bless. And so what is outside the circle? Well, let me just throw what the Bible says at you. First Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived that neither sexually immoral. And let me just park there. Listen, so often we, we take one place of culture and we pick on it. We're like, down with that. Well, listen, the Bible is down with all of it. All of these things are troubling and problematic in your life. And I listed out so many ways that from, like I said, presidents to pastors have messed this up. And so all sexual immorality or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have had sex with men, Thieves, greedy people, drunkards, slanders, swindlers, all of these will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so it's teaching us that inside the boundary is God's blessings. Outside those boundaries, everything else such as sex before marriage is outside of God's boundaries. Sex with anyone that you're not married to is outside of those boundaries. Same-sex relationships are outside of those boundaries. Pornography is outside of those boundaries. So, God is not against sex, church. The Bible affirms that God is very much for sex. Just in the context of a husband and wife. So, the Bible's for sex, amen? And so, as I close with a little humor here, my encouragement for married couples is to be very biblical this week. Some men ought to speak up, but I'm amen in that. Good word, Tim. Listen, I don't need your amens all the time, but that was a good one. Let me close with something a little, a little more serious and wrap this message up. The reason why marriage, sex, and sexuality 
are so important to God is because he made humanity in his image to reflect his character and nature. And when people mix this up, they're actually denying the creator of his image upon them. And it leaves them broken and hopeless in life. But God sent his son Jesus to begin a restoration process in every person that will trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But without Jesus, there is no hope for humanity. Our goal is in response to whatever culture is saying is to befriend them and lead them to Christ. If you want to change someone, love them first. Do like Jesus and have a goal to transform them. Let God do the work. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to close with an invite for people that have never met Jesus to begin today that relationship. On the screen, I, I, I love this way we present this. And I want to say to anyone that's in the room today that you are loved by God. And not only are you loved, but I want to remind you that you were made by God. He knew you before you were born. He loved you then. And so your actions after that have not changed God's opinion of you. But sin has marred our image of God upon us. Sin has set your life for destruction. Sin has made it to where you no longer can reflect the purity of, of God's image upon your life. But there's an answer for you just like there was for me. And the answer is Jesus who came to earth. He died on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? Because all the punishment I deserved, he died for me. He died to take that punishment for me and he died to take it for you. And all we have to do is accept God's gift of eternal life by faith, by believing that Jesus died for your sins. And you can be forgiven and then you can live out that wonderful purpose and plan of God in your life. So I want to invite you to make a decision today to say to Jesus, I choose to follow him. I submit my life to Jesus and I want my sins forgiven. And so would you bow your heads because there's somebody probably in the room that needs to make that decision today. And if that's you, would you lift your hand to me and say, I, I choose Jesus today. Is there anybody in the room? I choose Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. Would you lift your hand to me? I'd love to see your hand. I'd love to see any more hands. I see one. Anybody else? Thank you. Let's, let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He came to earth. He died for my sins. I choose Jesus today and I receive forgiveness of all my sins. Help me, Lord, to live out your purpose in my life. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen. Would you stand up and give Jesus a little worship in the house? He's worthy. He's worthy. So good. We want to close as we have always 
well, as we've been doing for the last couple of months, where we have time for you to be prayed for, a time for you to go get communion, time for you to worship. You may even want to come to the front and, and worship on your knees. Why do we do all this? Well, prayer is powerful. We believe God heals the bodies and he sets people free and he comforts our hearts. If you need anything today, go to one of these prayer leaders on the side and just say, hey, would you pray for this? Small or big, don't miss a moment to take it to God. Communion is in the back corners. You can leave your seats and go get communion. Bring it back to your seat if you want. You can take communion. Communion is the way we remember that Jesus died for our sins so that I can be saved and forgiven. It's powerful to take that moment. You may choose to stay at your seat and just worship God. That's awesome. Come to the front and worship. Whatever fits you in this moment, all I ask is you stay in the room until we finish. People are really seeking God in this moment and let's be respectful of everyone. Why don't you join them? Seek God with all your heart for just a few minutes.